A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to my Locavore Podcast. I'm Roz White and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced, artisan, bespoke and innovative products available to you in one location at White's IGA on the Sunshine Coast. Our Locavore program was officially launched in 2013 to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food comes from and help connect them to the families who create it. Good things take time. This is the philosophy of my guests today who believe time is the magic quality to create their tantalising, small batch, gourmet, wholesome, organic and naturally leavened sourdough crackers with the perfect crispness and flavour. A 35-year-old sourdough starter, lovingly cared for through three generations of Christina's Eastern European family of cooks, is where the journey begins. But our locavore story starts right here on the Sunshine Coast. It is my sincere delight to introduce you to the founders and creators of Silver Tongue Foods, Christina and Andy Welcome. Hi, how are you going? Great to have you both here. I'm very excited today. We are. I'm super excited too because your story is amazing and your product that you've created, Silver Tongue Foods, are the crackers and there's a, we'll go through the whole range because it's not just about crackers, is it? Even though the crackers are pretty balls, It's been a great journey for you, hasn't it, so far? And so let's dig in and learn a little bit more behind Silver Tongue Foods. Is there a story behind how the name came about? Uh, yeah, well, we got to the stage where we we needed to cre- create an entity for what we were doing, and Christina was was left in charge her with her creative genius on that one. And there there were a lot of a lot of cool names, names that were already taken. Yeah, yeah. And so then, once you <laughs> wanted that someone else had come yeah, and snapped. And, and we wanted something that was easily recognisable, whilst still makes people think. It was about two o'clock in the morning one night and... When the true ideas come. Yes. <laughs> I got an elbow to the ribs. This is, this, is literally <laughs> how it, this is literally how it happened. Andy, I've got it. You've got what? There's <laughs> 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 everything okay. No, no, I've got it. I've got it. It's silver tongue. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Silver tongue what? Silver tongue foods. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. And that's it. So where did it come from, Christina? Where did that where did that lightning bolt I have moment? No idea. It was, I think it was through the journey of picking all the cool names and going, what's got a good ring to it? What defines us? What's a bit quirky? What's a little bit different? We all, and, we always wanted our product to mm. to hopefully be associated with silver service, yeah. you know, premium. Yes, um, and it just. It just it's sitting came. on a silver platter. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what we and and yeah, and obviously the tongue has a very important yeah. role to play. <laughs> yeah. And there's many connotations to it. Everybody has a different version of what it means to them. You know, we've been mentioned in Simpson memes and stuff like that. Fair income. Yeah, yeah. Someone what? had a packet of the crackers. Did not and posted them and there was we a friend of mine actually sent it to me going, Isn't this your business? And I was like, Yeah, where's this from? Hey. And she goes, God. It's from a group. Group on the Simpsons meme of people integrating everyday finds 
as a Simpsons episode, which made us laugh they because it was back. just so much humour with it. So yeah. we're kind of like whatever, whatever it means to people, I guess. For us, it means something personally and whatever mm. you take away from it. Yep, perfect. So, Andy, you were born in Canada. Correct, yep. To an Australian father and a, a Canadian mummy. Yep. And you moved to Australia at five years old. Yes. So where did you grow up? Like, where did you spend the early years? And tell us a little bit about your family life. Regional South Australia was the first place that Dad was posted with the Department of Ag. So my dad's a... He's retired now. He's a vet surgeon for Department of Ag. So we lived in southeast South Australia. Back then, most of the land was being farmed with lambs, uh, sheep, cattle. And then we were there as it was starting to transition into the the wine. So we we grew up with, with a lot of good food and wine coming into the household. We hit high school age and mum and dad moved to Adelaide. So I've got two younger brothers, the three of us, we all did our high school there, grew up, started families and whatnot. My career got me to Melbourne out of Adelaide. I was recruited to, to do a, a project there in construction. And then I started my journey of traveling through work. Everywhere I worked around the country, go out looking for food. Part of our, our heritage on mum's side, she comes from Ukrainian immigrants into Canada. And so the, the Eastern, Eastern culture was there already eating um, a lot of Ukrainian food. Mum, mum was very strong on making sure we learnt our heritage through food. What would, what would you regard as Ukrainian food? We were so eating a lot of cabbage, various forms of cabbage, pierogi, just a lot of those wholesome foods. Sauerkraut? Sauerkraut, that, yeah. yeah, a lot of that. So we, we did that. It was always food, you know, three boys, all we did was eat growing up. So all we all boys do, don't they? Yeah, we, we we all played a lot of sport and, and back then it was that's all you really could do as a kid. There wasn't all this social media to get distracted with and all of that. So we played a lot of sport and we were always hungry. So grew up watching mum cook. And the three of us, I got young youngest brother, he's in the, the food industry as well. So he, he works as a chef. He's been doing that for quite a while. My brother's in the, in the police force. He's a prosecutor for the police force. And then, yeah, I was in construction. It was nearly 30 years, I think, I spent in construction. When, the, when our story for Silvertongue started, I was posted on a project up here. It was quite nice. We, we were able to, to spend our time up here on the coast with my kids. They're based on the coast here as well with their mum. And it, it was just nice to come home every night mm. and be able to see the kids. Previous to that, I think it was nearly seven or eight years working away on big projects around Australia and, and living away from, from the kids. So we came, came to starting this up, and it's, a, it's quite a story. It involved work, but mm. how we, I guess we ended up, for me personally, it was just a good opportunity to yeah. settle and re-engage with community and mm. we found ourselves growing our friendship base because it's very difficult to grow in, in when you're a transient construction worker most of your friend group and your support network are within that construction network so it was quite rewarding for us to see us reaching out pushing our boundaries we were our comfort zone is is quite chaotic with construction and moving around a, a lot but we we got to settle and for me personally I, I think that's probably one of the biggest achievements and the most satisfying outcomes for, for Silvertongue 
obviously the the business side of things uh we're we're quite ambitious and we have mm. we have some goals that mm. we're we're working very hard towards what, it's all it's all did, based on sorry based on eating yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely well yeah. is there anything else no <laughs> <laughs> no not really not for us <laughs> What year did you come to the Sunshine Coast? 2013, originally. Mm. So I was I was working mostly along the east coast of Australia, so relocated the family up to the sunny coast just so that I could be closer. It was less travel. I was doing a lot of work inland, so I was driving in and out. And it's a great place to bring up kids. It really is. I've lived in a, in a few cities now and um, really, really like the lifestyle mm. and the opportunity to give your children an outdoor lifestyle. It's a very special place. Yeah, it is. It really is. And I guess it's not until you, you, when you go and live in other areas, you look at them differently. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's been a good move for us. Nice. Beautiful. That's so good. Christina, you came to Australia as a refugee in 1995 post-Civil War. That must have been a very difficult time for you and your family. Are you are your family here with you now? Tell us so about that experience. We came in 1995. I came with my mum, my dad and my sister. And mum and dad opted to move to regional Victoria so we could assimilate and learn our newfound culture. I didn't speak a word of English. Um, wow. So mum and dad had some English and it was challenging, exciting. I got told before we got on the plane you're going to Australia, there's kangaroos and koalas everywhere. Mm. So when we arrived and landed in Melbourne Airport, I walked out and I'm like, where are the kangaroos? Where <gasps> are the course. koalas? How old were you? Old um, you? I was eight and a half. So it was, I guess, a big cultural change. I guess we came from uh, farming families. We had a lot of farms over there before. Which country? Um, in Croatia. Croatia. So the region that we're from is Slavonia. Yeah. So there's a little village called Dragalic and it's the that particular region is quite well known for its food and um, production and, uh, you know, cheeses and breads and everything's locally made and families trade, you know, there's a family that does meats and there's family that makes all the breads and family that does the cheese and you like a barter system yeah. almost with specialist families that, amazing. you know, make bootleggers as well, but let's not go there. It's a bootlegger. A bootlegger, you know, the rakia. Oh. <laughs> we'll bring some of that. All right. <laughs> Plum brandy, more formally known as. Okay. <laughs> Sounds intriguing. It is. Yeah, it was a bit of a cultural change for us, but... Um, Food was a major part of our upbringing. There was a lot of cooking, a lot of eating, a lot of sharing of food. I know from our friends as we went to school with a lot of Australian kids, obviously, they'd come to our house and my grandmother lived with us and she was always, eat, eat, eat. <laughs> you got to eat. Uh, and food was, I guess, a way of connecting us with mm. our friends and family and keeping our culture Mm. alive as well. So a lot of the foods that we ate were very traditional. Yeah. Um, so my palate is very... Um, so what would you regard as a traditional food from Croatia? What would um, be in the normal daily diet? Is it a little bit similar to Andy's or is... Similar but different. Yeah. So I guess daily diet, 
you know, breakfasts, it was always like a bacon and eggs, mm. similar to your Australian diet, if you if you're that way inclined. Yeah. More spec, though. But more spec, yeah, yeah. sort of homemade. Stop. But Sundays was all about a big cook-up. I know when we'd have friends come over and if it was the first time dining for lunch with our family, that, you know, my mum and grandma would cook up a soup and that was the entree and then, you know, there's the boiled meat to follow and then there's a roast to follow that and then there's a a large number of cakes that follow that. So usually you just got to pace yourself because it's not a meal that takes an hour. It's Mm. usually a four or five hour affair of sitting around the table, sharing Mm. stories. How amazing. Sharing food. So It's awesome. Food unites us all, doesn't it? Yes. Brings families together. And I often say, you know, in the good times and even in the most challenging times, it usually involves food somewhere. And it's it's almost a universal language. Yes. A commonality across the world. Obviously, we all need to eat, but it's the the fascination around the cultures and the representation, whether that's something that's in abundance that's grown in your country or just the, the culture itself. You know, why do some... Why do some countries sort of eat a lot of cabbage and others eat a lot of goat and others eat a lot of beef? You know, it has something to do, I think, with the not just the culture but the agriculture that surrounds yes, the, the climate, yeah. the environment. Yes. Definitely. Which is quite fascinating, isn't it? But the common thing is that we all love to eat. <laughs> Correct. And if you you look at how we we started out with with the business, it was in hard times in COVID. Mm. Um, very, very unsettling. Our story was... It was a huge was, change. Just, but based yeah, on so food, let's, you know, let's so. dig. Let's dig into that. <clears throat> let's talk through. You know, obviously, you've had a massive influence. Your background of growing up in a in a beautiful family environment, sharing food, farming background. You know, Andy, you're in South Australia. You're you're very involved. Your father was a vet, yeah. so you know you you're growing up with you know that transition phase. You I said do. from from you know lamb, growing sheep, I suppose in yeah. that in those regions to then growing wine, and you had a lot of food and wine. You started the company in 2020, and I want you to talk through how that happened, and perhaps how those potentially your the influences of your childhood have maybe created the influence of what the amazing, amazingness that you've created. So maybe just start from... The beginning? The 2020. <laughs> How did Silver Tongue Foods find itself here on the Sunshine Coast? How did you create it? Why? So it was the first week of COVID. It was right when the lockdowns were getting announced. And I remember watching the news and it was the Friday, I believe, Friday afternoon where the announcement was made that there was going to be a decision made on whether the country was going to go through what we all went through. And I sort of looked at Andy and I said, oh, no, like this isn't good. I I feel really uncomfortable. I hope my job's going to be okay because I was working for a company that managed waste at the time and it was facilitating all the pubs and hospitality. And on Monday morning, I got the dreaded phone call, which was really hard for, I guess, my line manager to make, where they were making the cost cuts as well because there was a huge income stream for them that was lost. I guess I, when I heard the news, I, I cried. I cried on the couch with our dog. <laughs> yeah, well, we had our plans and yeah. everything was being taken away from us. Yeah. So there was a sense of loss there. Mm. Um, and it what was, were your plans around the construction and what you were doing, the path you were on? Well, just personally, you know, we, we had all our finances sorted. We were on our way to 
to you know financial <laughs> freedom and we we had our goals and we were on our way yeah. um and that other things were taking control of so our life all of your plans were thrown out pretty much yeah bit and by bit just shredded yeah, yeah. 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 just um, completely dismantled yeah and then you know on top of that if you reflect back then None, nobody knew what the virus was. No. You know, it was... There's it a was, lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty. So much so. So we went through that and... Day two. We got to day two. Yeah. Christina, <laughs> she can't sit still. I can't sit still. I was like, okay, if this is going to happen, I've got to have a routine. And I pulled grandma's starter out of the fridge, so it was kept in preservation mode. It travelled around the country with me. Wow. Yep. What does that look like? What... We- is it in a in it, a container? It was in a jar, a jar, an old pickle jar that was sterilised and kept alive. So uh, I, you feed it and you obviously... What do you feed it with? So we're talking about the sourdough starter sourdough. and it's in a jar in your fridge so it's got to be kept at a certain temperature yes. above... Um, I kept it in dormancy. So in if you keep your culture in the fridge, it keeps it dormant. It still keeps it alive. It doesn't kill it. So you just feed it once a week. What put do you it back, feed it? Flour and water. There you go. And time. Wow. And the rest is just... Time as in just... Time. As in the essence of time. Time. That's correct. And not time the herb. Not, not the herb. <laughs> not the herb, no. How often do you feed? Mm. Or do you have to feed it while it's dormant or feed it when you want it you, to come alive? You've got to feed it out of dormancy into activeness right. so it becomes all bubbly and excited and spills out everywhere and you Stop know you've got it. a happy culture. So you'd have to get a bigger, bigger, bigger vessel for it to yeah, be in, yes. bigger jars yeah. going, oh, it's having well, a party we, today. Look at it. It's dancing on the table. Just, we've gone from 100 mil of starter back then to... Litres. Yeah, litres of it now. Sometimes you get and an we, explosion. We, we feed it with kilos of flour every day. Stop it. Sometimes, and in summer, twice a day. Does it have eyeballs and a smile? Mm. <laughs> Just imagine it's it going, got an attitude. I'm a happy yeah. culture. It's, it's, it's a living being. What? It, it really is. You have to be careful with it. You've got to treat it with respect. Yeah. Otherwise, Love your mother and she you, loves you back. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, you just have to. And in summer... Especially here on the coast where we get the humidity, we get the heat, the heat, we get the storm front, so barometric pressure. Our starter will impact the dough in a way that we can tell. It'll tell us when a storm front's coming. What? A day and a half before. We can see the do? change. We can see a change in a specific change in the dough structure. Crikey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hundred percent. My goodness me. Yep. And it goes from sheeting perfect sheets of to spiderweb and nothing's changed other than there's a front on its way. So to do with humidity or, you know, scientific reasons? Yeah, humidity. Just the change in the atmosphere impacts on the quality or the the structure or the texture? Yeah, the environmental impact and the environment that we work in, it's an old bakery, um, so it's it's not a high-tech facility where we're controlling the atmosphere. Mm. That's something Just that let we're... nature do its work. Yeah. And so, so let's go back, if you don't mind, Christina, because day two. Day two. You pulled grandma's starter, starter out, out of the fridge and you took it from dormancy into, started feeding it to beautiful thyme, flour and water, was it? Yes. And then it starts to grow. And, and then becomes bubbly and active yeah, and then it's ready and to bake. And then, okay, so then what happens? How do I, so we're talking about this is the base. This is the culture or the starter for these amazing sourdough, naturally leavened, perfect crispness and flavour crackers that are made right here on the Sunshine Coast by you and Andy, Silver Tongue Foods. 
So what was next? So you brought it to life and you made your first batch. I Well, it started off with me baking breads for us. I was like, okay, if we're going to be stuck in the house, let's at least eat some really amazing bread. Pulled out all my family recipes. Yeah, I started feeding it. I went local. I went locally and bought some cabbages and I was like, okay, I'll make some sauerkraut because I'll make some cabbage rolls as well while we're at it. So it was all about fermenting it. Our house became almost like a science lab. I had a number of jars sitting around. I got the big fermenting tubs, I guess you call it. There's a name for them. I can't think of it right now, but they made their way inside our house as well and off we went and the place started to smell pretty funky (laughs) 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 fermenting cabbage doesn't smell good gas leaks hey the neighbours are starting to look over the fence Mm, what's that odour so and it took a couple of days to get the starter active and it was by Friday at this point that I had a number of breads ready and I had them sitting on the kitchen table and Andy came home from work and he's like oh what's with all this food like what are we going to do with it and I said oh I really don't know. I'm just doing this because it's giving me purpose. I've got a routine. And he's like, I've got to go to work on Saturday. And I said, just take it in. So he took it into his colleagues. You know, it was that, again, that time where people were feeling the pressures of things that they couldn't control. And it was giving me a purpose. So let's share the purpose with others. And yeah, the first batch of my breads went out into his workplace and his work colleagues all enjoyed it. Well, it wasn't just breads, actually. I did croissants. I did cinnamon scrolls. I did... Sourdough pasta. Pasta. Oh, yeah, she was. It was... (laughs) It became... An obsession. Like, yeah, it was an obsession. I was working probably like 14, 15 hour days, running the oven really hot. We'll get to the point where I broke the oven several times. The home oven was on more than it was off, which according to the serviceman that came to repair the oven about four times and actually replace the oven, he said, you know, these things aren't supposed to run that long. They're not a commercial oven. And Mm. I said, well, the instructions don't say that I can't run it hot. So he just gave me his mobile number and he said, if you've got downtime, just call me. I'll make my way to you, which Mm. I took full advantage of, I'll be honest, Mm. because at certain times when you need that oven to work and you're with sourdough, it's all about your timing. So there's certain variables that you can control, but you just let Mother Nature do its thing and when it's ready, it's ready and you've mm. just got to go with it. You got to go with it. So having an oven that doesn't function was not good when the sourdough mm. is good to go and you've just spent Eek. two days prepping yeah. Yeah. for the perfect loaf and mm. it, it it's it's a little art, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So there's a fermentation process involved. Yes. So I, I understand there's also this physical hand rolling. So the crackers are beautiful and flat. They sort of come in a rectangle, sit in a beautiful box, and they're, they're rectangle-shaped flat. Here's one we prepared uh, earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love about the crackers is they're, they're all unique, aren't they? So in, they're, they're absolutely magnificent. No crackers. And they've got the little local, locally grown, edible flowers and beautiful as part of the beautification that are sitting on the cracker in the cracker as part of the cracker and each cracker is unique yes look and feel and shape because they're hand well originally they were hand rolled weren't they Yes. Um, you would physically 
So we roll. Yeah, we rolled sheets of dough. Rolled sheets of dough yeah. yourselves yes. for forty up to fourteen hours a day. You were working yes to create these amazing handcrafted, cra- unbelievable. And how much love has gone into that? Goodness, just it's, that in itself. It's authentic, you know. We obviously this is the the business started. It wasn't planned, and we we're not from. No, we're not technically from the baking industry or the food industry at all. We just love food. We do love it. And we, <laughs> we, we love creating this. Christina's always made lavosh for me. Mm. And it's just one of those special foods that when it's done right, it tastes pretty nice, yeah. you know. So, yeah, we started hand rolling. Yeah, the business picked up. And originally, the Christina was doing the lavosh as a gratis for mm. people buying her her baked goods, mm. and the orders started coming in for more so, and more. So how, talk us through how you got started with that. So you, you're now operating out of a shop or a shed in Maroochydore, yep. aren't you? Yep. But when you – your first entry to market, I understand, was through a local company called The Cheese Therapy. So you knew Sam and um, – No, we no? didn't know them. So no. Helen, Helen and Sam, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what happened? How did you get to – how did you get to market? We got to market so – so it was a few months into COVID and I was doing the breads and Andy was taking him to work. People were purchasing and we had other people that found out about what we were doing. So obviously the clientele grew. Yeah, there were people driving down from Noosa, coming up from Brisbane mm. for the bread. Wow. Christina's style of bread is different. Is different and yeah. they were and, looking for that. So. Yeah. And then one day Andy said to me, so what are you doing with this and I sort of went what do you mean I'm baking I've got a schedule I'm really busy I'm busier than I've ever been and he's like make a decision like do something with this or look at doing something else which was a fair call at the time because things were normalizing into the new normal so I went okay well give this a crack but before I do this I'll just contact I went on Instagram and contacted the, the hamper company and I said, look, you look like you eat a lot of cheese. Do you mind if I send some samples to you to give me an honest opinion whether this has a place in the market or if I'm just dreaming? So I didn't hear back from him for a couple of days, you know, no instant gratification. So I was a little bit gutted <laughs> and I was like, oh, they don't want to talk to me. Mm, no one, you know, yeah, and I get this the- message. Hey, sorry, we missed your message, but come bring a sample. Here's the address. I mean, it was on a Sunday afternoon. I looked at the address and I was like, oh, this is a home address. So I said to Andy, this is where I'm going in case yeah. I don't come back <laughs> and start looking here. And obviously there was no packaging at that time. My my idea of packaging was my Ziploc bags with little hand notes that I would do mm. for people. I mean, that's what I dropped off and they opened the door and they said, what's your story? And I said, well, I don't really have one. It's just me with my sourdough culture and I'm doing this and this is how it started they both looked at me and they were like wow like can we try it and I said well not while I'm around because I'm a bit sensitive (laughs) if you don't like it try it when I'm not around and just give me the feedback (laughs) so I ended up leaving and I drove home and in that time my phone was dinging and I was driving and I was like I can't deal with dinging phones and traffic and trying to get home so I didn't check my message, got back in, in the house, and I opened the message and they said, wow, like, these are amazing. Cool. How do we place an order? Mm. And wow. I was like, well, you just text me. Yeah. How many would you like? Mm. Thinking that they just want a Ziploc bag. Mm. So they initially said we'd like 200. Mm. So I was like, sure. 
and I didn't respond back to them until Andy got home and I said, look, oh, these people, they want to place an order. They want 200 of these crackers. And he said, Two, like 200 of what? And I said, well, I'm not quite sure. I haven't asked <laughs> that part. Better verify what they actually want. And they came back saying in however you package them. And I'm like, well, this is how I package them, in the Ziploc bags. So you'd like the Ziploc bags. And they're like, no, no, it needs to hmm. meet um, standards. standards. So I was like, yeah. okay. And by that night, their order had increased. And during the following week, the order just kept on coming. And I just you kept on saying yes. Wow. Well, I can do this. Did. Yes. Yeah. And then the challenge came to, I did the math. I said to Andy, I can do this from our kitchen. If I work for 19 hours, just rolling and baking, I can meet the order. Mm. And he looked at me quite oddly mm. and I was like, what's the problem with that? And he's mm. like, you're not sounding mm. like you've planned this at all. So that, I guess, triggered us into looking into yeah. a shared kitchen. So yeah. we, we started off hiring a temporary kitchen where we went and made everything and rolled and rolled and baked. And the first 200 packets was an experience. Mm. We had to learn very quickly. We had to learn how to package product. We had mm. to learn a lot of Food things safety, that, the whole lot. Yeah. that we had not much. Obviously, we knew about certain elements of producing food as consumers and home cooks, but nothing... You had to take it to a commercial level. Yes. And that was a quick learning, learning steep curve. Learning steep curve. learning curve. So from there, you came and visited Whiteside Yo, which yes, we were very we grateful for. And you started to explore that retail outlet, didn't yes. you? So, so the White's IGAs were our first IGAs mm, ever. Man, so it fantastic. was actually our first retailer Ever. That's just so cool. To take us on board, which we're yeah. really grateful for. And as, as are we. Yeah. And it's just been a massive journey. There's been a lot of learnings that we've had as a business, a lot of growth. Do we get everything right all the time? No, but we always challenge ourselves to learn mm. and improve and get better at what we do. And we kind of, I guess, look at what we do and we go, can we do this better? How can yeah. we do this better? And that's... And you do, and and you're already doing that because you've expanded your range from the beautiful range of crackers now into other products. So tell us about some of the other products that now are sitting on the shelves of White's IGA, but lots of other places as well. So we we was we were, we started doing tastings, in store tastings, and we quickly learnt that people we don't were, just want to eat a cracker on yeah. its own. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, well, what are we going to do? So we you know we reached out to a few. Uh, cheese companies and we were grabbing their cheese yep. and whatnot. And in the background, what a lot of people don't know is that we, we do experiment with fermentation mm. a lot and we, we push the boundaries of fermentation and we really do challenge what you, can, what you can and can't do. So there were some products that we were playing around with and they, they're all based on family recipes. So I'll take, for example, so the raspberry jam that we do, the way that it's made is an 80-year-old recipe. Hmm. Uh, so everything that we do is in our, so, uh, in our methodology. Is that from is it my grandma? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so all grandma's recipes. With a twist. Yeah. So, Can't let grandma have all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> then we add the, the jalapeno. Mm. So the jalapeno is used to accentuate the ras raspberry-ness. Right. And that gives it a kick. Yep. 
Uh, it's very mild. Uh, you'll only get a slight uh, warming at the yeah. back of the palate, but it does it does make the raspberry taste like grandma used to make. Right. And the way that we treat the raspberries before they're processed, it's how they did it 80 years ago. Fair dinkum. And it takes time. It, it's not just we buy raspberries and throw them into a pot and mm. it, it can take days to make a raspberry jam. Yeah. So, um, so we really bring out the... The, the flavours, the, flavors, the natural flavour and that. the sugar of, yeah. the, of sugar. the fruit. Yeah. We want yeah. that Through there. the fermentation <clears throat> process. Yep. And that's the base for your jam. For so would jam, you serve yeah. your raspberry jam, for instance, as a condiment with cheese on the cracker? Yes. Mm. So that's how you would eat it? That's how we eat it. We yeah. usually well, it sounds absolutely divine to me. So you get that. Like a soft brie. That, yeah, like a soft brie and then you get that, mm. that beautiful sweetness that comes in to complement the gorgeous yep. cheese. And the jalapeno is a separate one. Do you add that or is that? Is so that's 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 within within that's the within raspberry. The so that's how you bring out the, yep. the flavour of the raspberry. Yep. Oh, so back in the 70s, gorgeous. I think it was the 70s that they were black doing, pepper. doing the black pepper with the strawberry yeah. jam. Mm. Same principle. Yeah, gotcha. Absolutely incredible. Very unique. So clearly there's been a lot of challenges, which you're overcoming, you know, almost seamlessly, it appears, of course. Mm. <laughs> ducks on water. Yeah, ducks on water. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, congratulations. And the quality of the product is amazing, but it's the way it's presented too. And and every cracker has its own individual beauty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so often I'll serve your beautiful crackers on a, you know, if I'm having a, a little <laughs> yeah. soiree at home and, oh, and so often I have them out with the beautiful local cheese and I'm just so proud of them. Thank you. They are just, they, Thank you. every single cracker has its own and they're all hand Individual cut. identity and, yeah. and personality almost. It's yeah. just, it's a pleasure. Like, oof, beautiful. We should get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> Crackering. So tell us about some of the highlights. Any awards that you've won? But you've got, you have one super duper pooper scooper announcement, which is the I Won't Steal Your Thunder. Tell us a little bit about maybe one of the latest highlights. You go, you go. Okay. We got into Bonza. Unbelievable. Um, so, so just for lots of people that are listening, perhaps that don't understand what Bonza is, because we on the Sunshine Coast understand what Bonza is. Bonza is a brand new airline that is using Sunshine Coast as its base, yep. and it's only just launched, and it's running um, regional flights from Maroochydore as their base into other regional areas around Australia, yep. and so. You're on the airline as one of their yeah, uh, featuring cracker, on as cracker a, of choice. Yeah, cracker of choice on the airline. And congratulations! Thank that you. Is, that's epic. Is uh, wow. Yeah. We're we're stoked with. Well, it's, it's a bit of a different product, obviously. It's a then not our signature tiles just for usability on a plane. One thing that we looked at was they have to be smaller pieces so people don't get crumbs on themselves sure. while they're travelling. So they're in a smaller packet with different branding as well. Mm. Yeah, we call them our Bonza crackers. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. just that was very cool. So, so you must be very excited about that. And stoked. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, that's that's been intentional from Bonza's point of view to include it as has. many local yes. producers from the Sunshine Coast yep. and really incorporate that into the experience for their for their customers. Yep. And wow, congratulations on being Thank you. Thank part you. of that story, which is just fantastic. We, yeah, we we had a look at the I guess the model for Bonza and it really is based on connecting people yeah and there's so many 
so many people who live in regional Australia yeah. that can't travel. Yeah. It, it's just inconvenient. Sure. Um, yeah. And the cost and, and whatnot. And mm. we really, it really hit home with us. We can now fly down yeah. to Albury mm. to see Christina's parents. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. yeah. People are finding it really convenient. Yeah. Oh, and it's, 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 and really it's bringing connecting. people, and it's bringing people to the Sunshine Coast yes. to enjoy, you know, the beautiful lifestyle and the, yeah. as a holiday destination here too. Hundred percent. And awards? Did you have any awards that you wanted to, we you know, share share with us? No, awards. we haven't entered. We've been really heads down, bums up, focusing on our scale up. So going from hand rolling into mechanical rolling. Mm. So that took a lot of our mental energy and sure. a lot of time to achieve, but we definitely are looking into... Yeah, well, there's you've got a great story to tell anyway. And so, you know, I'm sure the awards will come. A lot of your mission is to source the very best local ingredients. So you're Australian made. Yes. And so your raspberries and things like that, are you able to get 100% Australian made or sometimes, you know, you just, you mainly be able to source... Most of the time we can yeah. get Australian made. Raspberries can be a challenge at and times. That's, yeah, you know, that's very seasonal, and there's some there's some big players that mm. take a lot of product, yep. and we're starting to look at bigger quantities yeah. too now. So yeah. that's something that we're we're very mindful of. Um, we have a, I guess, an ethos where we look with our ingredients: can we source Sunny Coast, Queensland first? If we can't get the right quality of ingredient. Then we go out to New South Wales, yep. Adelaide. Yep. It's all about having, I guess, the premium ingredients sure. the best for, that, we that are accessible. Yeah. Because yes. in Australia, as is anywhere, there's seasonal produce as well, isn't there? Yep. And it's yep. about availability. Yeah. Yep. So before we start to close, just a quick overview of maybe what's next for Silver Tongue Foods. What's on the agenda? We're working on a few projects. We will probably be able to announce them in maybe a couple of months. Sure. That will be exciting for us. We're working very hard on that, looking at finding a new home. Yeah. So, so expanding your capacity. Yeah. Getting your product out. I'm sure you'll be in the households of many Sunshine Coasters and beyond. Hope so. Which is fantastic. Where can people buy your products? Apart well, from White Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> which we're very proud of. But are you expanding? Is your distribution going across Queensland? Are you sort of... Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. Fantastic. Adelaide, Tasmania. ACT. Yeah. ACT. ACT. We've got a strong following in the ACT. Yeah, we cool. See. Yeah. A lot of regional areas um, love... Authentic. Authentic local yeah. products. Yeah, beautiful. Which nice. is... We've got some new flavours yeah. coming up too. We're working on a collaboration with a, a new business actually. We're providing some guidance on and just sharing our our journey in growing quickly. He he does rubbed um, salt rubs. Yep. And he's got some excellent flavours. Mm. So we're 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 working with him well for a, for a topping salt. So there's that. We're in the hotel game now as well. Yes. So we got into Hotel X. Mm. Um, just recently, so we're looking forward to exploring that mm. further. It's really consolidating the channels that we've opened up. I have to come back and I'll have to get an update, hey, before long. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers <laughs> it's, crossed. It's just yeah. awesome to hear and so inspiring. Well done. Just incredible. Christina and Andy, just sharing your last thoughts about, you know, how you live your life, what mantra, what, what, what's the beat of your drum that you have, your motto in life? Mine is adversity. Embrace it. Mm. Mm. And you do that, don't you? 
hundred percent. Try to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah you're does. a warrior woman, aren't you? Look yeah. at you go. Goodness. Oh, wow. And, and oh, yeah, anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. You're living that mantra, both of you. I'm trying to, yeah. And it's incredible. And I, you know, this is really just the beginning. You re- you've you've made immense gain and progress in really quite a short period of time and I can only imagine with help from our friends. Yeah. So our our journey is a result of community yeah. embracing what we're trying to do. Yeah. And that's beautiful and that's lovely. That gratitude is beautiful, Andy. No, we can't do it without them. Yeah. No. And that's a lovely acknowledgement. But you are creating something super special we're all very proud of. So there's nothing not to love. <laughs> thanks for coming in, guys. And thanks, thanks for, for sharing us. your story. Thanks for having us. Cheers. And thanks for supporting us as well, Roz. Oh, my my sincere pleasure. Absolutely. It's not hard. <laughs> Every time I see a stack of your crackers with a beautiful local four logo there that highlights that it's a locally created beautiful story, it just fills me with joy. Good. We've got a product that we need to talk to you about. All right. Well, let's do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA.